Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard. Comes out to Essien! Oh my goodness! It's a counter attack! Here's Dimitri Dropper! And now Kidd in the middle! Dropper goes! Stretch it! Stretch it! Stretch it! Mitchell on Manidou! Stretch it! Chelsea 2! And Didier Dropper has it! Dropper in the centre! Mitchell just came from the ground and was four back now going back Magnus! Sounds cool. Welcome everybody to um, another Chelsea Hour. My name is Daniel Soft. This is Chelsea. Sometimes I just want a laid back pod. You know what I'm saying? But they call it chaos and trophies. I don't like it because I like an easy life. But Lampard, this isn't a 2019 pod, but Lampard is back in charge of Chelsea. It's crazy. No one could have written this storyline. And to discuss it, I've got two people with me. First, I want to introduce Slens, who's been on the pod. Um, but glad to have you back. What are you saying, Slens? I'm all good, bro. All good. Just uh, taking in the chaos that is Chelsea Football Club, bro. But um, glad to be back on, always. I don't know what's going to happen next season. I can't predict. If you're asking me to... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we do get relegated. I don't know, because we're so un- unpredictable. But I'm glad to have you on. And listen... You see my views on the timeline. You've listened to the pod's lens. Feel free to grill me. I know a lot of people want to ask me, what do I think about that player? Why don't you rate this player or whatever? Cool, just do that. And then we've got Rich as well. Rich, do you want to call you Richard or Rich? What should I call you? Um, Rich, Richard. Um, either way is fine with me. Either way is fine. Laid back. I like it already. You're not a prima donna. You might be able to come back. Um, so your boy, Ben. Ben, who's a friend of the show. Um, he's been on the show. He said that um, I should get you on. He said that you do media days at Chelsea. Yeah, he said that even you get in the in the press conferences, you ask them questions. Is that true? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm part of um Becomes in it. The part so they always give people the opportunity to do like get press passes and whatnot. So I got to ask some questions on two occasions. So I'll be there one more time. Okay, but the next time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple of questions for Lampard. Okay, and and as part of you coming in this pod, you are duty bound to ask those questions, regardless of whether you like them or not. Do you agree? Otherwise, you can you can jump off the pod. No, I get one question. <laughs> I'm playing. Yeah. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing. All right, cool. Let's get to it because it's Chelsea. It's chaos. I'm gonna go to Richard. What the fuck, <laughs> Lampard? I don't know your. I don't know if you rate him as a player or if you like him or not. But just give me initial thoughts on this this whole situation. Uh, so first of all, I say as a player, um, he's actually my favorite player of all time. Like okay. growing up watching Frank Lampard, I always say he's the greatest midfielder of all time. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he's in the same sentence with Gerald because like Sleepy G shouldn't be in that conversation whatsoever. But this yeah. is not Gerald slander. Um, so as a player, I'm actually very fond of him. Mm-hmm. As a manager, it's a bit funny because obviously you saw the job he did with Everton, even though I do think that was a sinking ship. Mm-hmm. I think Sean Dyche is able to get more out of that Everton team. Mm-hmm. And I think with Chelsea, the first season, I think he did a good, decent, good job. Mm-hmm. I think it was the second season when they started giving him a bunch of players that he started flopping. And so, I think... Sorry? So are you happy that he's back? Even if it's just like your favourite player's back, it's 10 games, there's nothing to chase anyway. Maybe some people say the Champions League, but who knows? Yeah. Are you just happy to see him back in in in, in the manager's serial oh. scene? Um, with the way the season's gone, there's, to be, there's nothing to be happy about. Okay. What I would say is I don't have a major issue with it okay. as long as he's not there next season. Okay. Um, okay. That's my biggest thing. So as long as he's not there next season, then I think he can ride it out for this season. Let all the negativity and the clown show that's going on with Chelsea, he can take it with him at the end of the season as well. And then we'll appoint some proper... Um, in the summer so they can do their summer transfers and whatnot okay all right okay cool slins we need the context as well because you know how chelsea is there's loads of divides they want to know what are you in are you was you a lampard fanboy like rich as a player what are you thinking about, about him as a manager and forget all the just for, as an interim is there a part yeah. of you that's just happy to see lampard in the managerial seat well i'm gonna start off by saying that um obviously when he first came in i think we were all welcoming to, to Lampard because of the player, right? Yeah. And we understood our, our context, understood where we were in terms of the transfer ban. Uh, but I'll be very honest, like, uh, I'm probably one of the earliest Lampard out guys in terms of that FA Cup final against Arsenal. Yeah. I kind of was like thinking, this is the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Kind of had uh, a nice run. But I know, like, eventually he'll show his true, like, managerial colours. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, he did in the end. So I was, I was very strongly Lampard out towards the end. And I, it wasn't anything to disrespect him. It's just that the job was too big for him. Uh, okay. In this in this context now, what I will say is, um, in the context of the season, I can't really be any more angry than I already am. So him coming in it doesn't, it doesn't even surprise me. If I'm being honest, it doesn't even surprise me. It's disappointing because I started off the season with Thomas Tuchel. Now I have Lampard as my manager. It's very disappointing, mm-hmm. but it's it's something I have to accept. Really, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Um, people people know me as a Lampard hater, and I don't understand why. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like. The truth is, I don't like him that much. And I've never really liked him, even as a... Well, not as a player, but, you know, he's just never been my favourite. Richie said he's his favourite player, but uh, I just don't... You know, sometimes you don't take the people. Um, 
But I feel like I'm not. Uh, this is this. We ain't got we ain't got that much time. It's not about me. This is about Chelsea. All right. Uh, <laughs> you better listen back to the old pods. But what I will say is, I actually like the idea of Lampard as an interim. Now, the reason why I like the idea of Lampard as an interim is because I don't know. Part of me is a scientist, and in the chaos, I like experiments, and I just want to see what he's gonna do. So, for the curiosity around that, I just want to see who's gonna pick, what's gonna happen. There's like fifty different play- players. Uh, who's he going to choose? Is he going to bring Oba back into the fold? All of that type of stuff. What ex-players are going to come back? Do you know, like that, there was that one game, was it Dortmund, when the fans got behind Potter? The 12th man is important. I, I believe the 12th man is important. I'm not happy who our 12th man is. I can't lie. So if you're one of those people that proper Chelsea, you know, you listen to Chelsea Hour. I don't really like the persona of the Chelsea 12th man. Do you know what I'm saying? They're like, they're the guys... I feel like like they'd want Lampard to stay on. They're like, don't care, just want Lampard in. Do you know what I'm saying? They're not really, yeah, yeah they're not really my type of guy. But um, I think with the Lampard situation, I I see it makes sense. The the thing is, a lot of people are telling me we can still get relegated, and it's <laughs> ironic. It's ironic because uh, Potter, I think lowest points per game out of all Premier League manager Lampard, second lowest points per game. So who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's going to... I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to be fine. But um, yeah, I just think the whole... Like Slen said, the kind of... You know, we've already blown up. It's already chaos. Like Lampard coming in doesn't... It's 10 games left. The season is done. Who knows with the Champions League? I don't like have any hopes. Um, And that's what I'll throw to you, Rich, next. Uh, Do you have hopes for us in the Champions League? Um, to go on and win it, I'm not 100% sure, but I do think we can beat Madrid. Um, I think yeah. when you look at the past two seasons, I do think we're better than Madrid in 2021 and 2022. I do think last season was just more of that Mendes mistake and the Canton mistake gave us too big of a hill to <laughs> come back from. But I don't, I think the only fair facts I've got of Madrid is they've got that European pedigree where they always find a way. But it would not put past me, especially, you know, with new manager bounce, players want to prove themselves to get a final run in for us to actually go on and beat Madrid. Um, now, in terms of, as you said, can we win it? There's still teams like Bayern that are still there. I do think Tuchel just has a better team like Chelsea and he could just massively out-coach um, Lampard anyways. So, and, and Rich, I'm asking you the question with Lampard. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to just talk yeah. about Chelsea with Lampard and nobody knows what Lampard's going to do. Someone yeah, asked so, go okay, on. So with Lampard, I do think he has a shot because remember earlier I talked I rem- about I remember the buying game, yeah. So I remember well when we we're speaking about Chelsea um, Lampard in his first season with Chelsea and Lampard in his second season with Chelsea, mm-hmm. I think the two biggest difference was the pressure that came with being Chelsea manager. So in mm-hmm. the first season, he had a transfer ban, he had kids and whatnot. He was able to do perform do better coaching performances because there was no pressure on him. Whereas in, in the second season when he started giving a bunch of players, everyone's talking about winning the league, I do feel like he crumbled under that. So in this situation in that he was under no pressure again. So I do think I'm more confident than not that he can do a decent job because mm. there's no pressure. I like that I like the glass half full um take. <laughs> I think it's that anyway. Uh, Slens, what do you think? And specifically under under the like the lens of a Lampard Chelsea, uh, we've seen yeah. Avram Grant come in, uh, take us to the final. Do you know what I'm saying? We've seen Roberto Di Matteo come in. So it's not like 
the interims have had to be like the best manager ever. Tuchel, yeah, did take us there, but Aaron Grant wasn't known as an amazing manager. Dimitri wasn't known as an amazing manager. So why can't Lampard? Um, no, I hear you, but I think it's funny that you mentioned uh, Aaron Grant because I was going to mention him at some point during this pod. Okay, uh, we we went from we went from Jose to to Avram Grant. So like this move, going from Tuchel to Potter to then Lampard, like again, it just when I said it doesn't surprise me. That's the biggest reason why. Uh, but honestly, I'm 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 not planning to to do the half glass empty versus glass half full. But <laughs> I'm gonna have to do it. I really listen. Can we win the the competition? Of course, we're in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Any team in the quarterfinals has a chance. But yeah. will we do it? I don't think there's a chance. I really don't think there is. I'll be honest with you. I, I just believe that uh, you see with Real Madrid. The thing about them is, um, out of all the teams left in the competition, there's certain teams that they have they have certain individuals that can turn a tie around, right? If even if they one nil down in the last five minutes, they can turn a tie around. And Madrid have those individuals. In the Tell me world. those individuals. So, Tell me those individuals you're uh, talking. About. I mean, I mean, we saw it last year. I saw uh, you know, see the likes of uh, um, a Benzema. He's obviously the, the main, uh, the main guy I'm speaking about in this. But we saw the season before where we knocked them the fuck out. No, no, of course. But like you're, you're looking at Benzema's current form. Like as much as I don't uh, like to look at current form of competitions, he looks, he looks, he looks incredible again. Benzema Fast is a whole nother guy. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a dangerous story. And even yeah. like, speaking speak, speak of Modric, like, he creates a moment of magic in the time they needed it the most uh, against us last year. Like, they have certain individuals that can turn games so around. So we don't have Enzo? Of course. Listen, we, we have that, but have they have Felix. experience on their side. We have, Don't forget, Kante obviously is a, is a big uh, addition. We don't have Kante. But... <laughs> we do. Oh, we guys. do. But, 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 <laughs> don't, don't forget, don't forget. <laughs> along, alongside Frank Lampard, who else do they have? They have Colin Schlotti, one of the most experienced managers in the UCL. We have Paul Clement, who... Slens, <laughs> 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 I'm just no, trying I... to restore the feeling because, listen, as a, look, I don't, as a Chelsea fan, I've watched Arsenal fans, even earlier in the season, they're trying to say, oh, we're not going to do it. We're not title favourites. You know what I'm saying? And for me, that's like a victim mentality. I don't really respect it. Where I feel like with Chelsea fans... Even the times we've won the Champions League, everybody else was like, you're crazy, you're crazy. But Chelsea fans was like, listen, we're not new to this place. And I know that it might be new as a manager and stuff like that. But like we said before, Abraham Grant took us to the final. Uh, Di Matteo won it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so listen, listen, as much as you hate the pieces mentalities, you know, I just like, I just like fake positivity, bro. Like, I, I would never, I hate those fans that believe in their hearts, know that we're not going to get past it. Well, here's the thing. It's there's fake yeah, positivity, but there's also, I don't think Chelsea was the best team in the world in 2012. And even under... Do you know what I'm saying? And so this isn't necessarily saying we are definitely going to win. But what I'm saying yeah. is every single time we've won the Champions League, most people have written us off. And so I'm just saying, cool. as a Chelsea fan, do not close that door. I know you don't want to... My thing is, it's challenging people that do this thing where it's like, I'm going to say we're not going to win it. Therefore, when we go out, they're like, I told you so. But as a fan, you're still the duty is still to believe where there's a will, there's, where there's hope. Do you know what I'm saying? Where there's hope. And no, I, I, I agree with you. I agree. But the reason why it's important is because Lampard coming into Chelsea, yeah, we talked about how Lampard took the Everton job, and even Lampard took the Chelsea job when we had a transfer ban. I don't know if it's strategic, but it's almost like a what can I do? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if he doesn't 
if Chelsea don't get top four under Lampard in that first season in transfer window, it's like, what can I do? We lost to Zard, transfer ban and all that bullshit. And then Everton, mm. like, if they go down, what can I do? But to be fair with Lampard, Everton didn't go down. We didn't. Uh, we got top four. So, and and all I'm saying is that not necessarily that Lampard's the best ever, etc. But I'm just saying that a Lampard uh, Chelsea can win it, and it's not because Lampard's amazing. But I don't think Di Matteo was amazing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that hope should still be there from Chelsea fans. I'm not saying that we we are going to win it, but don't try to tell me that we can't. We got enough players. No. 100%. That's why, like, when I started my team and I was like, we're in the quarterfinals, right? Uh, well, if you're, uh, I speak to rival fans and they say, Chelsea have no chance. My response is, I'm in the quarterfinals. You know, I'm, I'm what, really six games away, sorry, five games away from, from winning it all, right? So there's obviously a chance, but I just my opinion, I just don't don't think, and uh, I don't think... Don't worry, I'm not trying to say, to say something because then no, people of course, of course. bring it back up. Of course. Don't worry. Right? I tried. Here's what I tried. Saying, I tried. If, if, if we do win it, please... Feel free to at me on Twitter. Feel free no, no, no. This is not what it's, this is what it's about. It. I'll be too it. busy celebrating. I'll <laughs> I, Lampard will be the Chelsea Hour avatar. Do you know what I'm saying? I will... Oh, wow. For about two weeks. Just for about two weeks, I'll give Lampard all the dues. But then there'll be like a, a cut-off date. But listen, I've been hearing that Lampard has the best talent ID. And one of the reasons why he's in is because he's got amazing talent ID. We've got 50 players. And so his talent ID is going to pick the right players. Rich, that's your boy. You've already exposed yourself as a Lampard fanboy. Uh, so let me, <laughs> let me continue. <laughs> do you rate Lampard's talent ID in terms of, you know, knowing players? And do you think that's something that he can bring to this Chelsea side? Um, I don't know. Wait, so two things is, one, his talent ID doesn't really matter because, and I'm hoping he's not there next season anyway. So all that talent ID talk and rubbish doesn't really make any sense. It, it matters. But, it matters because he's coming to a team and there's 50 players and he has to pick which ones should play. And so he needs good... Talent ID is not just about buying players. It's about picking 11. No, true. Okay, but then... In that case, I think he started 11s when he was at Chelsea. There was nothing ever wrong. There wasn't too much wrong with it. I think it was just to do with actually getting them to play the system defensively because we seem to concede a lot of individual mistakes. Whereas at first I thought it was just the players, but then mm. when you see other teams, the way they set up, those teams are making individual mistakes. So I think it's more to do with the way he probably sets up his team. And as I said, under pressure, he probably gets in his way too much. But in terms of the starting eleven, he was putting out when he was at Chelsea, as, apart from maybe I wanted to see Hudson Odoi start more games. I uh, mean, there wasn't, much wrong with it and I think one thing that football fans or Chelsea fans like to do is one of those like you never know you never know how much you need it till it's gone like so remember when Lampo used to play Giroud all the time and blah blah, blah and mm-hmm. everybody was like yeah. oh we don't want, but we don't want Giroud we don't want Giroud and then Giroud leaves and he goes and balls up for AC Lampard, like, didn't, Lampard didn't play Giroud enough Lampard didn't play if you remember um so he did bring him in. No, so I'm talking about closing towards the end of the season. I, I get, after, I get, I get. Yeah. But I just want to, I just want to make sure that the truth is spoken on this platform. If you just let me, right. uh, just, just to tell the narrative, just to remind Chelsea fans, at the time, at the big, don't forget when he came in, there was a time when people said he has to play Tammy Abraham because who's the other options, Giroud or what's his name? The only time he brought Giroud in was under duress when things started to get really, really sticky because he didn't even rotate Giroud in. Things got really, really sticky and he had to make a change. And that's when towards the back end of the season, Giroud got a run. And in that run, Giroud 
put us on his back. A couple of players like Giroud locked down Puli in them. Put us yeah. on, put us on their backs and took us to the Champions League spots. And guess what happened next season? The motherfucker dropped Giroud. Just dropped him out of nowhere. <laughs> And, and, then, and then I think things started to go bad again because, again, Werner came in, but then he played Giroud and again, Giroud scored, but then he dropped him. I don't think you can say that he did. He played Giroud enough, especially for especially after when he came in and he took us to the Champions League. I don't understand why he dropped him. And we saw him go to Milan and he still uh, was scoring for Milan. Slens, I want to come to you about his talent ID. Not necessarily talking about into next season because, you know, we pray. We pray that that doesn't happen, but... Yeah. In terms of Tanner ID, in terms of picking players, what do you think uh, about Lampard making the choices for the 11th? Um, in terms of what you said, I, I just want to clarify that I 100% agree with that statement about Tanner ID and how it's not just about transfers because people seem to think it's just transfers. That's yeah. how I'm going to judge a Tanner ID, whoever you bring in. No, it's about like your, your selection of players. It's about yeah. the, the tactics you choose to use and the certain profiles you use for certain games. That, that's, that's for me, is the biggest indication of Tanner ID and I have to say, like, in terms of Lampard's overall, yeah, let's be honest, right? Uh, when he left, uh, Thomas Tuchel came in, right? And a lot of the players that, that Lampard did not prefer, to, uh, um, uh, Tuchel kind of brought back in, mm. gave him a bit of faith. Yeah. And, and it led to a Champions League win. Like, people, people don't want to revise this history, but yeah. I believe that's what happened. And I think people like Rudiger, for example, remember when I was yeah. speaking about in the last pod, like, giving people the right platform. Like, Christensen. Uh, exactly, Christensen. Uh, players like Jorginho, they came came right back into the team, even though he was his his uh, future was was in disarray under, under Lampard. So for me, that, that's indications of talent ID. And people talk about the transfers. We can even entertain the transfer bit. Uh, people say that. Or I, I was hearing on Twitter today that if he um, if he comes in, then the, you know the players that we don't like uh, and the players that are crap, they're going to be they're going to end up going. And they they're, they're mentioning Ziyech and, and Havertz, and I'm thinking, you do realize that he, he had a part to play in signing him in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So like this is argument of what Tan ID is, is silly to me, but overall, listen, as a manager, I don't necessarily rate Tan ID to, the, to to that level. Okay, like the way people do, I'll be honest. My my take on talent ID thing. One thing I'll say, I'll do good and bad. Uh, I think at least under Lampard, we played strikers, and look, the when we bought Werner, I think that was the first time where it felt like we wasn't playing with a striker under Lampard. Um, because Werner always played with a striker at Leipzig. He was like the second striker. And so there was a time when in that second season where it was just Werner, where it felt like we're toothless. But apart from that, back then under Lampard, Havertz wasn't playing as a striker. And so we always, it was Tammy at first. And then like we talked about, it was Giroud. And then sometimes when, when Werner came in, sometimes it was Tammy and Werner. I think just in the early days, a little bit of time. Sometimes Giroud was playing, but it was never... We didn't have that false nine type of thing a lot. The false nine type of thing came in with Tuchel. And I just think one of the reasons why you look at Chelsea and it's like, to be fair on the Tuchel, I can't criticise Tuchel as much because right now we're sitting on 29 goals. We're in April. We're in April. I think it might be less. I can't remember more, but we're we're like under 30 goals. 29 goals. We're in April. Tuchel got us to score 76 goals. So when people talk about Tuchel can't coach an attack, please, please, don't, please. But th- this season, what I'm saying is, um, or since Tuchel's come in, that's when the idea of Havertz, the striker, came in. And now people even just see him as a striker. But I just feel like a lot of the time since then, we've been so toothless because we haven't really played with someone that's been 
forged to score goals. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like it's a different beast when you're asking someone to be the responsible one to score week in, week out. And I don't think that you could just take someone out of the blue and say, rah, you was a midfielder or you was a left winger. And now all of a sudden we want you to score week in, week out. Like I think Daniel Sturridge done a great piece about how a lot of Chelsea players, when they go through, they don't have a finish, like a go-to. Like, do you know, like when you go to golf and you're like, hand yeah. me that. Do you know what I'm but saying? Can I just say yeah. one thing in regards to that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Interrupt. Yeah. So, because the whole thing, the whole thing about the um whole striker argument where everyone says we need a striker because if we get a striker, then they will be the ones to finish those chances, which obviously is fair enough because it's a striker's job to finish those chances. But I think to me, it's one of those things. I think sometimes we'll learn some of the players off a bit in terms of saying, oh, because they're not strikers. Because even if you do get a striker in, Chances are going to fall to other players which they're going to tuck away. A striker's not going to score every single game. And if you bring in, let's say, Ivan Tony, for example, you bring him into the club at one and he gets his 20 Premier League goals a season. If those chances start falling to Havertz in the run of play or coverage in run of play, we can't just let them miss and say, oh, it's because Rich, Chelsea don't have a striker. Rich, and Rich, we'll... Rich, Rich. Let's, let's, let's kind of just clear up the conversation because I think... There's a difference in what we're saying, right? The, yeah. I'm saying with a striker, you, there's a responsibility for a striker to score like every other week at least. There's a responsibility. This whole like, if there's a striker, the other players are still going to have to ch- score, et cetera, et cetera. Look, we've scored goals. And even if you think about not just this season, last season, we scored 76 goals and none of our strikers, no, there was no striker to, do you know what I'm saying? So the idea that we can't, get contribution from the other players, I think is dead. I think we do get contributions. But I think also the reason a lot of times where players don't have that calmness in front of goals is because Chelsea are chasing the game. And my thing is, when you have a striker there that's specifically there to score the goals, number one, when you have with Havertz, Felix, these guys like being outside the box. They love being part of the game. And so when the ball comes in the box, a striker, all they care about, they don't want to be part of the game. All they care about is being in the right place to tuck it in. And what that does when you score goals is it calms everybody because you're not chasing the result. And I think with Chelsea, the problem is uh, a lot of the times we're dominating games, but we're not scoring. And then what happens is, you know, everybody starts getting a bit itchy and confident. And then that's why when someone goes through, they know they have to, do you know what I'm saying? They're not calm. They have to score because if they don't score this goal, then, and then that pressure gets into it. And so it's always important. And I'm not saying you can't operate without. Yeah. What I'm saying is having that person there to score goals is so important because it takes the pressure off. When you're dominating, you've got someone in the box. When you've got balls coming in, you've got someone that just cares. They're not going to be outside the box. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a Havertz or a Felix, where they're going to be there. No, and I, I get what you're saying, but I think to, the reason I think Chelsea even got to the point where we started playing Havertz up top is because we've signed so many strikers and reads. After Diego Costa, all the strikers that we've signed, maybe with the exception of maybe Giroud, none of them have really been successful. So I think that's how we even got to the point where Havertz started playing up front. So I, I, I get, just, I get. But let's not, let's not derail it just because we've got to talk yeah. about it. I get. And that striker conversation we've had a lot of times, but in terms of the talent ID thing, just to come back to it, what I was saying is that I like 
one of the reasons why I like Italian managers is because they're very functional. I know like German managers, they like counter pressing and everybody just winning the ball high and stuff like that. Everybody has their own thing. Italian managers, they think about the different functions of the team and they make sure that it's covered. So they make sure they have someone that's actually a real striker that is supposed to be that kind of, I always call them golden boot chasers, especially for a top club. Then they'll have uh, uh, a playmaker, an attacking playmaker. And then they'll have, they'll make sure they have all of the roles. So when you go, go like when you see an Ancelotti team or Conte team, usually all of those roles are covered. And I think um, it'll be interesting because Lampard was linked with Oba when he was at Chelsea. Um, and he was linked with Modric when he was at Everton. When he was at Chelsea, he kept on going on about Sterling. Um, a lot of the players, it seems like they're kind of Lampard players. So I'm interested to see who he's going to pick. I think that Lampard has criticised flicks and tricks and, and stuff like that. But whenever I, you hear about Lampard talking about his favourite players at Chelsea, they were like an Eden Hazard and stuff like that. So I actually think that he might like Felix, but I still think that the loyalty with Mount is going to be so big that I'm, I think he's going to make Mount his diamond because I feel like there's a bond there that cannot be broken. Um, in terms of the Italian ID in general, I don't think it's anything special. I think Slens covered it very well. I think... Um, there's lots of examples of players who did he didn't pick where it's like, you know, they've they showed that they could contribute. And also a lot of players that, you know, like he took credit for when we signed him because they're like, yeah, yeah, Lampard called him up. But then as soon as they started playing well, it's like Lampard didn't want him. So um I, I think the, the jury's out and he's talent ID. But I want to talk about Mount because we just mentioned him. So the, I think it's a bit weird because. We're talking, I've been hearing Potter saying, oh, you know, Mount's got to sort this stuff out with the board and stuff like that. And maybe that's not why he's playing. Then we're hearing things about little injuries and little niggles and stuff like that. And that's what, but then after the match, he's sprinting. Um, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. I don't know. And to be fair, listen, I always look at the canary in the coal mine as uh, basically when you kind of, canary in the coal mine, it means like when a canary fly, flies away, you know that something's going to happen. And I think with, uh Alexis, sorry, Alex Goldberg and um Matt Law, whenever they start turning on an individual in Chelsea, then I just got a feeling that I, I I start to get a feeling that okay, Mount doesn't like these people. And it's happened before. I remember with like Lukaku, like one of the, that Alex was really behind Lukaku, really behind Lukaku. All of a sudden, really early, he just turned and I was like, ah, I think Mount's turned off of him. Because they obviously them guys speak to Mount, and so it seemed like both of those accounts were a big part of supporters. But all of a sudden, bam, they went the whole like one eighty on them, and like all of a sudden they just started to hate Potter. And so, whereas a lot of people think it's like a, a Todd Bowley thing that is pre uh, preventing uh, Mount from playing, I actually think it's a Potter thing, and I think that Mount would play in the next game under Lampard. But I just want to talk about the kind of Mount thing. Obviously, Lampard's going to come in. I think there's no way that they're going to tell him not to pick Mount. I, I don't think he'll take the job that way if, if he had to do that. So, Slens, what do you think about the whole Mount thing um, in terms of for the rest of the season with Lampard? Um, I mean, I, I think I, I kind of agree with you um, in terms of these little, little like, injuries um, yeah. and how he's like, been absent for a couple of games. I think there's been inconsistencies with the reports. Like, just, just my opinion, but I think like, we know we know Mount to be the most durable player we've had the last three years, right? Like, I used to think that how do you play so many games in a row without like a single injury? And it's just yeah. really, like it's, it's a very good attribute. But this season, like there's there's little injuries that like that that he has been reported that have caused him to to be absent for games, and sometimes he'd be on the bench and not come on, and that's 
Yes. Yeah. By the way, just want to give you a stat. Before Potter came in, it, whenever Mount is in the team sheet, he would see game time. Like whether it's as a starter or yeah. on the bench, he would always come on. So that that was always a thing, right? So yeah. the, the fact that there's a change shows me that maybe maybe the, uh, Potter has a has a part to play, or maybe the contract situation is also has a part to play. But or, if the, the contract situation hasn't changed, so we get to see yeah. because the contract situation is the same. So if Lampard is playing him and he hasn't signed that new contract, then doesn't that suggest this part? No, it does. I think it clarifies things. It clarifies things. But I actually have a feeling that he won't be as regular, uh, you know, as a starter as, as, as he would be uh, under Lampard. Just have a feeling. I don't know why, but I, I think with his new ownership, they kind of gave ultimatums to a lot of players in terms of having one year left. So mm-hmm. I think um, that, that will lead to, to their, their impact sometimes. Yeah. I'm hearing obviously when a manager gets sacked, all of this shit comes out like they're calling Potter behind or Harry Potter behind his back. They're calling Havertz Hogwarts and whatever. Um, all of that type of stuff comes out. And what also came out was that the ownership was shocked that he chose to play ZH. Do you know what I'm saying? So if that's the truth, because obviously they tried to sell him, then he was in the lineup. If that's the truth, that means they're not really telling him who to pick because they can't control yeah. who he's picking. And so like, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, but but uh, I'll tell you what, like, this is obviously a conspiracy theory, uh, theory of mine. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I kind of think that they might not, um, they, might, they won't enforce you to play certain players, but mm-hmm. they'll probably advise you, they'll, they'll let you know about the contracts left and how they feel about the player. And I, I honestly think that even these articles that come out, like, <laughs> I think it's, it's a lot of PR, man. I'll be honest. That's my opinion. I think it's it PR is. Because, it is. Listen, like, take uh, it when, 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 when they. It's, sorry, because because when when they when they appointed him, right, they they kind of gave him the keys. They gave him a five year deal. They made him the third highest paid uh, manager in England, yeah. right? So they had to find a good enough article and a good enough reason to kind of let him go. And I think yeah. a lot of the things written were just convenient for me. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? I can't remember. I had a good point, but Slens missed it, and so blame Slens. What we're gonna do now is we're gonna go for a little break, an ad break, and then we'll come back and chop up some more. All right. Cool. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, and we are back. Um, and so, yeah, we was talking from the first half about Lampard. We're going to continue on talking about it. So my kind of question at this point is, uh, let's say the impossible happens. And somehow, somehow Lampard and his team deliver us the Champions League. And at this point, we don't have a manager. And so now you know how the English media are. And you know how the Chelsea fan base will be. And you know, you know what will happen. And we've seen it before where Di Matteo has got the job. And look, most people didn't 
believe that Di Matteo had the minerals to lead that new Chelsea with Hazard coming in and all that type of stuff. But there was just like, he's won the Champions League. How can you sack him? So my, my thing is at this point, Slens, let's say you've just said you don't see it happening. You don't even see it happening. So if the impossible happens and Lampard brings the third Champions League to Stamford Bridge, does he deserve the chance to manage next season? I don't know if you're of the views I've seen Office US yeah. There's a scene where, you know, uh, there, there's that meme where he screams, no, 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 no. This is how I feel, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I think it's, you know what it is? I think if he wins the Champions League, mm-hmm. it's the perfect ending to his Chelsea story. Like, even as a coach, as a manager, as a player, it's the perfect ending. Like, you, you, you get to drive off into the sunset. Your fans will always defend you. Your fans will always bring up the Champions League and, That'll be very like a great achievement. I will not take anything away from it. It'll, if he does, uh, um, you know, manage to to give us a Champions League, then all credit to him. But I think it'll be the perfect ending to the story. I think we have to move on and and yeah. get like a manager who who is first of all competent and is able to kind of oh, handle that kind shot. of squad. You said first of all competent. <laughs> what does that suggest you mean, Slens? What does that suggest? I mean, I, I, I think, listen, with all due respect to Lampard, again, like, as, as a manager, we have to understand, like, he, he's not appointed because of his credentials as a manager. Like, no, he's not an interim manager right now because of his credentials. He's he's uh, statistically the worst manager in Everton Uh-oh. history. It, it, it speaks for itself. So, okay. I think for me, uh, like, not, not to be too, like, too, too disrespectful, but I just think, listen, like, it was, thank you so much for the memories, thank you for the Champions League. But listen, like we got to move on. We 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 can't get another appointment wrong because that will set us back another another two years. Can't argue with stats. Statistically, the worst manager in Everton's history was it second? Well, he was the worst points per game. But I think Potter's now made the worst points per game Chelsea's history. But winning the Champions League puts him alongside Roberto Di Matteo, Tuchel, and uh, yeah, and he'll be it'll be Lampard in the, in the third. Uh, Richard, I want to come to you. Because that's your boy. You've exposed yourself as a Lampard fanboy, right? So, if he wins the Champions League against all odds, you know, everybody's mocking us. This is like going to go down as one of our worst seasons ever. But if the silver lining is the Champions League, do you know what I'm saying? Who cares what Arsenal does? Chelsea have won the Champions League. It's chaos and trophies. What should Bowley do? Bowley said he's going to come in. He says he's going to act through the eyes of a fan. Do you think if Lampard delivers the Champions League, then they say, fuck it, just give him it? Because Slen said, oh, it'll be the perfect way to end. But a lot of people say, unfinished business. He's just getting started. What do you think? I think if he wins the Champions League and he gets given the job, it means Todd Bolly has fought as an owner because it means they haven't done the due diligence to actually go and find a manager of experience. Because obviously, winning the Champions League is the greatest club accomplishment you can ever do. But at the same time, we haven't competed for the league since we last won it. And Lampard ha- hasn't shown anything in his credentials to show that he can be a league title manager. In fact, no English man- manager has really. So, and we've seen this story with Di Matteo as well, whereas he came in and he won the league and he saw what he did a season after. So, as good as as good as a full good story would be for Lampard to win the Champions League and then continue next story, it would just show that we haven't learned from our mistakes and it will show... Bolly inexperience. It's, it's new mistakes. Oh. We're making the same old mistakes that we've made before because oh. we've got new we got new people in and they haven't seen the mistakes. So they have to make their own mistakes, it seems anyway, because he made a gang of mistakes. We spent like 250 million 
to Tuchel, and then we sacked Tuchel. We spent another 250 million to shape the squad to Potter, and now we sacked Potter. Uh, so I get, I get what you're saying. No, Look, then, also, you have to argue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Go on, say, say what you're saying. No, I said, it. even if you want to just take out the whole um situation from. The Lampard, if you just look at, I know it's a bit different, but you look at United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, whereas in he had a good start coming in mid-season and then everyone gets happy and you just throw him the contract and then you see how that ended up. So it's not as easy to say just because the manager did good coming in midway, you should just throw them the squad. Especially when you've got a manager like, and I'm not saying the greatest manager, but you've got Luis Enrique who has... Huh? Had, okay, we're going to have a manager talk. Go on. Yeah, but I'm just... Before we get to but someone like Luis Enrique when he has pedigree as winning the league and Champions League and he wants to it looks like he wants to come to Chelsea, there wouldn't be any logical sense for picking Frank Lampard over him and probably other managers out there that've got experience. All right, all right, all right. So so are you saying that you want Luis Enrique out of all the candidates? Um right now he would be out of all the reports ones would be my preferred pick. Okay, so tell tell me why. Um so it's not even more to do with the whole thing he did with Barcelona because I do think, obviously, Barcelona had a lot of talent, Neymar, Suarez, Messi, and we don't have those players. So the footballs are going to be the same. But I was kind of impressed with the job that he did with Spain at the Euros in 2020 or 21, whenever it was, 2021, that was meant to be in 2020. And obviously, that Spain squad isn't the same squad that won the Euros and World Cup and all that kind of stuff. And to be able to coach that squad into a semis, I do think, that gives him credibility to back up that what he did with Barcelona wasn't just Emerson. And obviously, with the whole Nigelsman situation, no, um, wait, wait, wait. Gonna... Just, let's just let's just stick on your candidate. So it's. Lewis. I know, I know, but I'm just saying why I'm picking him over the next. Candidate. We can go to Nagelsmann next. We're gonna have a Nagelsmann. Okay. But, but yeah, I, I, I want to um... stick. I want to stick with Enrique. I just wanna. I just wanna ask you some more questions on Enrique. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just to sum up, I think I was really impressed with the job he did with. Obviously didn't really do as well in the World Cup, but with that job he did with Spain in the Euros, I think. So, so you was impressed with the Euros. Um, was you impressed with what Southgate done with England in the Euros? Um, no. Why not? Because I do think with England, they had a chance, with the squad of players they had, they actually had a chance to go and win the whole thing. And I think Southgate, I know I've already had an agenda with him coming into the World Cup, anyways. I, I hear you. I already knew that once we get comp against a team that could match English talent, that Southgate wouldn't be that team, which was France. He comes and like, so well, I'm talking about the Euros, right? We're, we're talking about Euros. Oh, Euros. Um, I said he got to the final, oh, right? Yeah, was, you final. was you impressed with what the job there? Um, no, particularly okay. it was because you said well, you got, there was good players, right? Again. Why was you not impressed with the job that Southgate did when he took us to the final? Or us, I said us, England to the final. Because I do think that was an opportunity where you get to the final, you could actually win that um, final. And I think if you just go player for player with the Italy squad, I think England were a significantly better squad than Italy. And I do think Italy outplayed us uh, massively in that final, so okay. there was nothing to be impressed with. Well, so that's it's interesting because you said you was impressed that Enrique got to the semi-finals, but you're not impressed that Southgate got to the finals, where England have had golden generations before, where people look back, you've got Rooney, Beckham, all of this, etc., etc. They haven't really been to a well, final. I'm sports. I'm pro- huh? I'm the- no, but what I'm saying is, even with, even with golden generations, England haven't been to a final. So when you're saying, like, 
the squads. Yeah, but I can't look at football that way to say because uh, someone failed with a golden generation and now has to start giving heap of success to someone that succeeded with a golden generation. But no, all, I, all I'm saying, so the reason why I'm asking you this question is because for me personally, I don't rate like... For a manager, like tournament tournament football, we know tournament football, like even a mere wall can get to an FA Cup final, right? For international yeah. football, where actually the manager doesn't get to spend that much time with the players. And I'm not even just talking about in the in the tournament place. I'm talking about even throughout the year. They don't get much time. Again, um, it really depends on, again, like you said, if, you, if you're managing France, you're blessed because you've got a certain type of players. And not just in terms of quality, but... French players will have technique, Spanish player, possession football and all that type of stuff. So I just feel like I find it really weird when people rate managers based on tournament football. I, I've never seen a manager do something in tournament football. No, I remember, what, what, I remember what, Scolari. We, I remember we hired Scolari <laughs> off of what he did for football. No, and it's one of the worst appointments. Anyway, all I'm just trying to say is my I, point, I'm, trying to understand, I'm trying to understand how you're rating a manager from tournament football. No, I said the job he did with Spain Taking a what I can what I um assume to be an underwhelming Spain squad to the semis kind of validates a bit more to me that the job he did with Barcelona wasn't just Emerson and Hope. That's my point. I'm saying that if you give him a squad, I hear you. He, I hear you. I just I, did, I hear you. I just this for me personally. I think anyone that takes things from uh, national football as like international football as something to back up a point. I I don't really, I look at, I think club football is the real competitive, that's the nature. Like what Southgate does, Southgate completely fouled at um, club football. I've seen him in under-21 football and national football. Him coming back to the Premier I don't know what he's going to do. And uh, Conte, as an example, Conte took an Italian squad that didn't really do good and he showed promise there. But Unless I saw what he done in club football, like I just don't. For me personally, I don't see how anyone could look at uh, a, a tournament. It's kind of like when people sign, you know, players back on the back of a tournament. Like um, when Real Madrid signed, what's that player, um, James Rodriguez, off the back of a tournament? I'm mean, like, this is the this is crazy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, look at what they've done game to game, week to week. When they're with players, that's where you judge them. And so for me with the Enrique thing, I, what I see on the timeline is a lot of people who didn't even watch La Liga week in, week out, talk about, oh, he did this with Barcelona. You weren't privy. Do you know what I'm saying? You you weren't watching. So I'd rather talk to a Barcelona fan than just a Chelsea fan saying he did this. Do you know what I'm saying? But let me come to, just thinking on Enrique, Slens, I'm going to come to you. What do you think about Enrique? Um, I mean, Enrique, um, my, 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 first, my first big concern and I just found this out like, a couple of days ago. Is that he's been out of club football for like eight years? Okay. Um, to me, that's that's it's a little bit it's a little bit concerning because like, um, you know, being out of football for eight years that's 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 acceptable if you go back into the league. But coming into that the the shock that is a Premier League, like, you're facing competitors like Man City and right right now obviously Arsenal are flying. So it, it's gonna it it's like it's it's going to to be I think a big big challenge for someone of his credentials being out out for eight years to come into the Premier League and. And possibly it's... challenge right away. So yeah. and, and also in terms of his uh, his ideas, just from what I understand, like they actually there's actually been like a change in his ideas. Uh, speaking about from Barcelona to Spain, and I actually see your point about knockout football. I don't think it's the best, um, you know, uh, level of judgment for 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 a regular you know fan. But I, I look at it as Barcelona team. His Barcelona team was actually it had like three three of the most talented attacking players we'll ever see in our generation. At the very same time, like if you actually speak to Barca fans, um, 
during that time, there was actually quite a lot of backlash because of his style. His style was quite different to what Barca fans were expecting. Uh, obviously, they 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 have a, they they're accustomed to a certain style of, of you know of positional play with uh, you know passing to to the, to the death and you know finding these little combinations. But with him, it was kind of just get get the ball forward to to the front three as quickly as possible. Just from my, just my understanding of his tactics, uh, yeah. and obviously it was it was successful. So I, I think his credentials they're decent uh, as as a manager, but. There's some question marks I have. That's why he's not my first choice. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it makes sense to be skeptical. Listen, we've just talked about how Avram Grant took us to a final of the Champions League. Di Matteo won us the Champions League. I don't rate Lampard, but again, he might do it just because it's tournament football. Do you know what I'm saying? Tournament football, and so I think it's crazy when people talk about look what he done for. But for me, just personally, but also oh, what I like to do with managers is again I don't look at international football but club to club I want to see okay cool what have you done club to club because I think if I see a pattern that in the last three clubs you've done those things in the last three clubs whether it's been a big club or small club then that I'm more comfortable saying this is what you're going to bring to Chelsea because again regardless of the environment change you're able to bring this and with Enrique I just don't know I think people have zoned in on Barcelona because I just don't think that they watch the football what Slenz just told me was an insight that a Barcelona fan is going to give you. Whereas all people see is Wikipedia. Oh, this trophy, that trophy. But the Barcelona yeah. fan will give you the, well, let me finish. They'll give you the week in, week out insight, right? And so I remember when we were getting sorry and people were talking about, oh, the left central midfield is supposed to be attacking midfielder. And basically they just looked at Napoli. But if you look at his other clubs, there was no such thing like, it was Vecino and he's not an attacking midfielder. So when Kovacic come and they was expecting him to be like this attacking midfielder, everyone's like, what's going on? But if this is what I'm saying with, with fans, and I don't take them seriously a lot of times because they speak on what they don't know with such uh, uh, conviction. Um, so with Enrique, I'm not going to say like, I know him uh, week in, week, uh, like in depth, but what Slens just said, he's been out of club football for eight years. And to be fair, Apart from the Barcelona, which is obviously one of the biggest clubs and one of the talented, there's nothing that he's shown me where it's like, like even a like even a Potter, kind of like he earned his dues in terms of taking a club and transforming them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I just when I look at managers, I want to see that. I want to see that before when you was younger or like wherever. There's a club you came in, they were doing shit, and then you came in, you transformed them, and you worked your way up like that because essentially. I just don't want these babysitter managers to come in. And these babysitter managers are the managers that are in top jobs and they just go from one top job to another and rely on the talent. And look, we've seen Chelsea, we've, we've got bringing this talent, but we're failing with talent. We've seen Man United as well. A lot of the time they've had to spend so much money, but until you get a manager that can actually add value, you're, we, we can't compete. Do you know what I'm saying? So for me, I'm looking for someone that is transformative, that will add value, regardless of who we have. Um, uh, Richard, you you wanted to come in. Yeah, okay, but just on that last point that you said in terms of like um, teams that you can do with a big club, you can do with a small club, because really and truly, and correct me if I'm wrong, the two you're talking about big name options right now are Luis Enrique and Nigel am I correct? Yeah, yeah, let's focus on Enrique first, but go on. Yeah, so so okay, but before we get to Nigel, so the whole thing about um obviously we because we can only go with what he did at Barcelona, what he's done at Spain. And well, well, the job at Barcelona, he's, he's managed other clubs too. Yeah, but I'm talking about in terms of what he's known 
for because one thing you did say and I do agree with you in terms of people just see win loss records and get all excited and say that this is the man for me and this is the whatever blah 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 but saying that I do think although he had all that talent at Barcelona I do think it does take some kind of skill to be able to manage all that talent um, and egos at the same time and also he won the trouble as well which is not something that everyone has been able to do I mean when was the last um, trouble was it with Bayern like in 2020 but my point is the trouble isn't something that's always done that you could just swap, put on the rug to say it's just talented because even that Madrid team, the one that won um, Champions League after Champions League after Champions League, like, they didn't win treble. So it's one of those things that you can have your um, question marks always over Enrique, but I think to say like he hasn't really done much to impress you or anything like that, I do think... He hasn't because, because he hasn't because he hasn't because I didn't watch like but like I'm not taking away from but I can't be impressed by something that I didn't see right so I didn't watch Barcelona week in week out to have an in depth view of Enrique so I can't pretend to be impressed like again he's a for me I'm okay I'm fine with saying it's a black box maybe Enrique was the reason and like it was his brilliant tactics or maybe it was the talent but I just don't feel comfortable with analysis the the important the reason why we have analysis is because this is a team sport. And it goes beyond the pitch. It go, We've seen it with Bowley and all of those type of stuff. There's so many different factors that come into it. The success could be because you've got good people behind the scenes, like a Brighton, bringing in the players, right? So when we get Potter and all of a sudden it's like, bro, what's going on? Oh, maybe it's actually because the people behind the scenes are giving them the talent. And maybe that's the reason why they're going up, right? And so like the whole thing with analysis is you're trying to identify what the success factor is. What the reason? Because there's so many different things that come into it. And as someone that would, didn't watch Barcelona, I don't want to blindly say, oh, Enrique is the reason why they won the trouble. So I'm not going to necessarily discredit him for doing it because maybe he was the reason, but I'm also not going to give him the credit. And so when I ask when I ask these people why Enrique, I'm asking you to kind of give me the insight of what you think that he done to... Can I ask you a quick question? On Barcelona, yeah. How much do you think somebody needs to watch like a club or a league to have an opinion on them? Um, it, so it's about conviction. So you can have passing opinions and you can make more kind of like, oh, as long as you caveat and say, this is kind of what I think, but you know, I'm not completely sure about, I'm fine with that. But I think when talking with conviction, just because I'm a pure analyst, you know what I'm saying? So if I don't, if I feel like I have too many kind of like, question marks or blind box i i'm not gonna be in the place to say do you know what i'm saying but what i will i'm comfortable doing is kind of raising these questions um and talking to people saying okay but why do you rate enrique too much what do you know about enrique at roma or his other clubs because i know that at roma it didn't kind of work out that much you know what i'm saying and he brought in loads of spanish players and again i didn't watch regularly but i know that it didn't kind of work out there and so for me I have my own method of analysis when judging managers. And one thing I like to do is do a deep dive. Now, listen, I'm older now. I've got responsibilities. I can't do as many deep dives. But what I'd like to do is know about the nitty gritty, about what they've done. Talk to, obviously, the fans, because they're the people that watch game to game. Um, and then try to get a picture of what are the things that are, you know, happen at each of the clubs. Because I think those are the stuff that sticks you know, that you can expect at Chelsea. That it could be, like we just said before, at one club, it could be the scouts. That's the reason for the success. At another club, it could be two or three different reasons. Do you know what I'm saying? But I think when people just say, oh, let's get Potter because Brighton's doing good. It's not necessarily that. Do you know what I'm saying? 
And so, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's my thing about Enrique. So uh, let's talk about Nagels, man. Um, and then, Rich, well, you can kick off. What, what do you think about Nagels, man? Um, so he's one that I think... I think I've seen more of Luis Enrique than I have of Nigel's men. So I think with the whole stuff we're saying, I remember I said before, I think a lot of people see win-loss records and all that kind of stuff and they get a bit excited. And I was kind of looking to why he was sacked because, I mean, in the like, playing picture, I think it was a bit weird because if a guy has won all his Champions League game and he's still competing for the league and stuff, um, you would expect they will still be happy with that manager. Maybe they saw Tuchel and they grabbed him with an opportunity or I saw something about they didn't like the way he was um, progressing with the style of play and youth and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I think with him, it's because I've got more of an unknown with Nigelsman, um, which is why I'm not fully convinced with him. Um, obviously, he seemed like he did a decent job at Leipzig before he went to Bayern. But then, you know, with Bayern, you always win the league anyway. So, there isn't that much of a... I don't know, with Bayern... Hoffenheim, managers, Hoffenheim as well. That was the first uh, the first one, right? Yeah, and then I think Leipzig can... But I don't like to go too far back with managers or players just because I do think there's always they can always improve and add to the resume as they go along. So... No, but it, it makes sense. It's, it's what they've done, right? And and yeah, it's, yeah. Like a ladder. it's a ladder. You get to Leipzig from what you've done at Hoffen, Hoffenheim. Yeah, unless, yeah. Uh, listen, unless you're an ex-player and then you just get um Nepo baby treatment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I tried to be hey, selfish. Sens, talk to me about Nagelsmann. Bro, I'll be honest, bro. Um, both of them are not my choice, but just from what I understand of Nagelsmann, mm-hmm. um, uh, I'll be honest, like one league that I don't keep my own as much is the Bundesliga. Uh, but like d- doing like kind of re- just trying to do research about him just because I actually thought it was going to be like almost a done deal because of reports. One thing I can identify with him is that it's never the same lineup, like in terms of whether it's tactically, whether it's personal, right? That's just why I understand of him. And I understand he kind of, he's a, he's a tinker man who adjusts to certain games. Uh, also, know, what I know about him is that he was quite young. He was a, he was a young footballer who got injured and got Kind of into the, the the coaching staff of Hoffenheim, then he like his ideas were so impressive that he kind of got promoted and promoted again and promoted again, and that's something that I do like. By the way, like you know, I really like a story where a manager starts from nothing and kind of grinds their way to the top. That that's part of the reason why I really like. Sorry, like if you know the story, it's amazing. Uh, it's kind of similar with Nagelsmann. Like I feel like when people work their way to the top and they get to that high level, they they kind of have an extra like a chip on their shoulder to prove themselves. That's something that I do like, like in terms of the story. Uh, in terms of his, uh, his, you know, his, his tactical point of view and his personality, I can't really give you much of an insight. I'll be very honest because I'm not a big follower of the Bundesliga. Yeah, I, I listen again. We're on this platform, but I think it's so important to say when you don't know things. And again, with Nagelsmann, I don't even know how to say his name. Is it Nagelsmann? Is it Nagelsmann? I don't know. Right, I, I pick up stuff from what I read and all that type of stuff. I agree with Slend. I prefer the bootstrappers where it's like, okay, they're not getting the job because they used to be a player. Because again, I think Pep can kind of come along and then all of a sudden everybody's like, go and get your ex players to be a manager. And I think he's done that whole kind of ride. Uh, And I think that's what happened with Luis Enrique as well. Maybe even inspired him to go to Roma and try it out and stuff like that. But there's those managers that actually they've had nothing handed to them. They've had to make their reputation because they can't rely on a footballer background, do you know what I'm saying? And those are, for me, those are the managers that impressed me. Like Even Potter, who I didn't know anything about because even though Brighton was in the Premier League, I don't really 
listen, I've got enough on my plate in terms of analyzing Chelsea. I don't give a shit about the other teams, right? But what yeah. I did, what I liked about him is he did kind of bootstrap his way up. But I think I, I was very early in terms of I'm going to give Potter a chance, but I just didn't see anything like special with him. With Nagelsmann, again, I don't know too much. I do like his story. Again, bootstraps, um, Hoffenheim, I think he, from what I remember, they came in, um, they was about to get relegated. He came in like like last 10 like matches, just kind of like now, and then he kind of saved them from relegation. Then apart from that, I think he took them all the way up, potentially to even get in a Champions League or something like that, and then got Leipzig in the Ch- Champions League when they didn't get in, and obviously got to Bayern Munich, won the league, and to the Bayern Munich fan... A, a Bayern Munich fan opinion, so not the general fans, but a Bayern Munich fan opinion said uh, that Nagelsmann, um, the reason why he got fired isn't necessarily because he's a bad manager or anything like that. But they said that actually Bayern Munich are, like the Bundesliga is a one-team league. Do you know what I'm saying? Where it's, they, don't, they wouldn't be competing with Dortmund. And he said, they, he said that actually at this point, they want an experienced guy that just... Because with, like with Matt, like the Premier League is like, okay, Man City live with this competition, but in the Bundesliga, there should be no competition. And so it's such a high bar, especially like, like when a pretender comes along, like a Dortmund, because obviously when Klopp started to compete with Pep, that was happening, do you know what I'm saying? But at this point, they're like, no, no one should be competing. And so what they were saying is that Nagelsmann is going to be one of the top coaches um, in the world. That's just one fan's opinion. But he said that actually... At this point, they don't want potential because right now Bayern Munich aren't a potential club. They're a let's win everything now, let's win a Champions League now. But they said that for the Chelsea project, we're actually we've got loads of young players and we're doing a turnover and we're at the beginning of a cycle that Nagelsmann might make more sense for us. Now that's just one fan's opinion. And again, a Bayern fan who watches week in, week out, but I'm not gonna pretend to know too much about the kid. Uh from is there any outside? So, Slens, you said that none of them you like. Are you, you like the sporting guy? Have you been talking no, to him? No, 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 no. Okay, no, so who's your no, guy? No, no, no. Uh, my, my, my. I'm the biggest Poch fan. I am the biggest Poch fan, and I, I think he's far and away for me like my first choice. And and I, I can speak about him in depth. Sorry, yeah, Pochettino. I'm going to give you the floor to try okay. to convince yeah. me and Rich. Now, earlier, listen, you've done something great before. I think I was trying to uh, convince you guys to get behind Lampard, but you brought out stats and I can't, you know, with facts, it's difficult to come back. So if you can pepper it in with yeah. any stats, facts, shut me up. Why should no, I, I can, walk I can. Oh. Here's what I told you. Like, my, the, the two, I'll start off with the two pushbacks that I always get when I say it, when I say I want Poch. So the first one obviously is, uh, he's a Spurs man. Now I just dismissed that. I just think like, we shouldn't really pander to, to fans' need, like fans' wants and needs as a club, like as an ownership. You shouldn't really do that. I think you should take, take their opinions into consideration, but should never pander to their needs. And secondly, like in terms of him being a loser, like that loser tag, I kind of push back on that as well. But what, one thing I will say, what stands out for me the most is I can see a sample size in the Premier League right in front of my eyes. Like I saw, I saw it for three years. Like I was, I, I'm, 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 an, I'm a reasonably old Chelsea fan, so I've seen Spurs over the years, and I know what kind of team they they are. I know. Their, their limitations and I, he's the first manager that I've ever seen push their limitations you know and, and I've seen them compete for two uh, for two um, titles as much as they finished up in the first one and they and they competed with Conte at Chelsea the second one I still think they competed uh, I think in the, the, the season that stands out for me is 16-17 they got 80 plus points uh, they scored the most goals 
this, uh, and they conceded the least amount of goals that season. And I think for a whole uh, two seasons, they were undefeated at home. Uh, and that team that he put together, um, he actually, uh, if you look at the signings, I wouldn't say he built every single player, but every single player improved under him. Every single player uh, he kind of had, a, had a, a posh identity, similar to the Arsenal team this year, actually, when you look at the, the players in there. They kind of have an Arteta identity. I thought that Poch is something very similar. Like, you see Harry Kane, for example. Yes, he came up on the Tomb Sherwood. But he, he became Harry Kane after that 5-3 game against Chelsea. And that, that was a good, and, and that was a Poch to the team. Now, Poch obviously operates on a 4-2-3-1 mostly. But what I really, really liked about him is his adjustments. Like, the, the 16-17 season when we were flying, uh, we kind of faced him, we faced him at White Hart Lane. And he adjusted, I think, for the first time in a couple of, couple of months, so uh, three, four, two, one to kind of try and match us, and he actually got the best of us that game. Uh, I think also like in terms of formation, our current style, our current profile players that we have, the the players that we spend a lot of money on, I just feel like it will suit that system as well. Uh, what I really like about him as well is his pressing, like his his pressing mentality. It kind of comes from Bielsa. Uh, I'm a big big Bielsa fan as well, by the way. So uh, Bielsa has this crazy mentality of kind of one on one pressing, but Poch is kind of taken some of those attributes and just put it into his own team. He kind of sets straps with, with pressing and, and uh, he concentrates on like quick attacks. And I, I thought something we've been missing for a long time. Like I think the best way to identify a, t- a manager's uh, touch on, on a team is through, is through the pressing methods. Because that's, that's like, people can talk about substitutions, they can talk about, you know, link up play, but the best, the best, the, the best identity of it, the, the thing that the manager controls the most for me is the, is the pressing identity of, of a team. And, Spurs were one of the best. Like uh, even in sixteen seventeen, they they would because uh, I I even searched this up. They would give uh, opposition teams the least amount of time on the ball before getting before getting a turnover. That's something that I really like as well. But even if I go further back with with, with Poch with Southampton, like Southampton when he when uh, they appointed him, they were actually um they were, I think it was Nigel Watkins that was there and he got sacked like unceremonious uh, what's the word unceremonious unceremonious word thank you. Yeah, he got sacked. It wasn't even a footballing reason. I think there was a falling out. And a lot of Southampton fans were kind of in disarray by it. But he came in, a foreign name, and his first season in the Premier League, there was a lot of, like, it was a really nice team to watch. Like, it was uh, the Ricky Lambert to this world, Lalana, Jay Rodriguez. They actually got moves uh, to bigger teams, Lalana and, and, and uh, Ricky Lambert specifically. And uh, that was all thanks to his work. And uh, finally, what I'll say as well is, uh, people talk about his PSG time. And what, one thing I will say about his PSG time is, Yes, like you could see it as a failure to not win the league. But like I do think context uh, um, you know, uh, added, you'd say that he, first of all, he came in half a season. He came in December. And lo and behold, the first half of the season was by Thomas Tuchel. So I would never you know, uh, convict Thomas Tuchel and say, oh, like for half a season, you weren't really leading that league. Uh, so I won't do the same thing with Poch. But I also think that job is a, is a, is a poison chalice to, to an extent because the personality even there is just very difficult to manage. Like They all have their own rights to be divas. And um, I'm not sure that, um, you know, like the, the best of managers there to control that situation, uh, Thomas Tuchel involved. Uh, I just think, well, I'll say just, just to conclude, sorry, I know it's been going on for a long time, but just to conclude, I think when Poch speaks, he speaks about his, his pressing methods and he speaks about the, the, the player's efforts. He speaks about playing, the players needing to be 100% with him. And even the, the former players that he managed, they speak about him in the best of way. Like he had a good approach of being a friend, but also having a stamp of authority. I feel like I want that at Chelsea. We, we missed that with Potter. So that's, that's, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Rich, what, was he was he spin? Did he convince you? Um, 
No, because <laughs> I gave, you gave him no. five minutes. No one interrupted. You was like, oh, I'm no. out of breath. I'm out of breath, man. No, Come on, give me a no it's not. It's, it's not like Posh is a bad manager. Um, it's just one thing to do. As I said, the the expectation of Chelsea is totally different with the expectation he had at um PSG, Tottenham, and um Southampton, the three clubs that I know off the top of my head. And as much as you want to say he didn't fill with PSG and whatnot, I think. You could see his time there as a failure because with PSG, it's all about the Champions League and he gets knocked out in the round of 16. Um, right. Am I correct? And then you also see the job with Tottenham as well. I mean, in hindsight, you can say maybe he shouldn't have started Harry Kane and his stuff and all that kind of stuff. You can understand why he started him, but you can see maybe managers with a bit more courage would have taken that decision and not start him. And as I said, with Chelsea, there's different pressure that comes. Like, he wouldn't get that time to do all that building stuff that he was able to do at um, Southampton and then later on at Tottenham. So, I'm not okay, fully... Can I, can, I, can I push back on that? Can I push back on that? So, what I'll go very quick. What I'll say is that you're right, 100%. Like, the pressures are different. But keep in mind, the pressures were different under a different ownership, right? Like, these, these guys are talking about building, talking about... Uh, you know, getting the team to dominate, play attack and football. But like Poch can fit that bill, and I also think he can overcome that that trophy drought. We've seen it before. Sorry, sorry again comes in, not a single trophy won in his career. He comes in at Chelsea's first trophy, so I think we can reenact that with Poch, bro. Okay, okay, listen. So that's last one. That let's not forget. Listen, there was the bad of the fan base. We're sorry, but yeah, continue. Okay, all right. I did the listen. I'm tired now. All right, chaos hour, Chelsea hour. I don't even... I had one more thing I wanted to bring up, but I'm just tired now. Um, all right, cool. So any last... Any slends? I'll give you a last word before we wrap up the show. Um, in fact, let's just talk yeah. about... Um, yeah, what, what do you want to say before we wrap up? Um, I mean, what, what I'll say is um, I think this this ownership, like I think we, we need to speak about a little bit more like this ownership. Um, a lot of people kind of are waiting and I'm one of them I'm just waiting to see how things work out but so far like they've left a lot to be desired and like re- uh, respect and, and trust is earned by fans and yeah. they haven't earned any of it honestly yeah, it's a good thing and I, I, well, one last thing I'll say sorry Danny one last thing as well uh, in terms of um, pandering to the fans like I really really hope that's not the approach they'll have in the future because yeah. fans are very fickle like whether they go to the stadiums or write tweets they're very yeah. fickle so, so if you try to accommodate them and try to, you know, play on their emotions, they'll still blame you. They'll still blame you when things. Hundred percent agreed. Hundred uh, percent. That's, that's good. It, yeah. we'll, we'll have you back, Slint. You, you, you've made some good points, Rich. I'm not sure. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> we'll have you back. <laughs> we'll have you back. Any last, any final words before we close up, Rich? Uh, no, I just kind of agree with what um Slint said towards the end. Like, obviously, you don't accommodate to the fans. Take your time when making decision because. I mean, as I said before, we have not competed. It took us a winning league. We haven't even competed since we last won it. And that's what I'm hoping for. So hopefully we get the right man, whether it's Poch, Nigelsman, Lewis Enrique. I'll be happy as long as they compete. Minimum. As long as it's not Lampard. The that's season. the best way to end. As long as it's not Lampard. Yeah. All right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Daniel Soft. We will hear from us Chelsea again. He will never be forgotten. He's in. Just came back.
Sports Social Podcast Network.